We're so glad that you're listening to the Branches Podcast. If you're in the Houston area, we'd love to see you in person at 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more information, go to brancheshtx.org. We hope this message helps you draw closer to God and that you hear the good news that you belong. Thanks for listening. and I'm just so grateful for your presence this morning. You can see from that video, uh, we're in a vision series, and it's on the occasion of last week we celebrated this community's very first birthday. So it's just a really exciting season in the life of this community as we're looking back at this past year. We saw some, some footage and some images from last year as we also just look forward to this coming year and just setting a course for all God wants to do with this community, through this community, through you, and I'm just excited that you're here to be a part of it. I, I would love if you would take an opportunity to check in, whether you're online or in person today. There should be a, a maybe a QR, a QR code around your uh, feet somewhere, also the QR code here on the screen. And it just helps us stay in touch with you to let you know what's going on in the life of this community and just to continue to be connected as we especially enter in this kind of busy season and in this coming year of, of the freshness of being together for one year together. And so thank you for checking in and let us know you're here. I just kind of want to like bring us up to speed from last week. We go into the second week of this vision series that the first week, last week, we talked about our, our core value. We're going over our core values, kind of uh, reinvestigating who we are and why we exist. And last week we talked about our, our first and, and we really, we begin and end with this core value, belonging. And belonging is different than fitting in where you assess yourself and you assess the community and you maybe check some things and change some things so you can step in. And belonging is just the ability that you can step in and belong from the beginning. And we, we want to do that, not just because we think that's a good preference to have, but because that's the way we think God is. God is a God of belonging and encircles all people in his love and invites all people to experience him and who he is. And our second core value we're talking about today is, is daring. Last week, we, we went over the story of this Ethiopian eunuch in the book of Acts. And he asked this question. He raises this question. Um, Look, there's water. What's preventing me from being baptized? He says to Philip, one of the first Christians. And the question really is, look... There's an opportunity for me to become part of this new family that Jesus has created. What's in the way? Like, what, what's the catch? What else is there keeping me from stepping into this new circle of being in the family of God through Jesus? What's in the way? And he's baptized. So Philip's answer is like, there's nothing in the way. And we entertain together in the you know, year 2023 going into 2024, what's in the way? What's in the way for you following Jesus deep, deeper? What's in the way for your neighbor or friend or coworker from even entertaining the idea of having a spiritual life or having a relationship with Jesus? What's in the way? And I kind of gave us the charge that, that going forward in this next year and then the years to come, that one of our goals, one of our tasks as a community at Branches is to break down every obstacle that there is ahead of us for people to experience who God is in Jesus. And we raise that question then continually. Okay, there's got to be stuff in the way. What does the church put up? What have I put up? What have other people put up? What's in the way? I want to entertain a different question 
this week, but, but just in the preparation for that, and just my mind has been so busy thinking about that and preparing for this coming year and preparing for last Sunday when we celebrated our birthday, I just kind of had this realization, and you've heard this before, and, and it really resonates with me that some of the best times of your life are the fullest times of your life like schedule-wise and time-wise and activity-wise, that there's a lot going on and it's all really, really good, but one of the things you wish you could include in that schedule is a long nap. <laughs> that, that you have all this family time and connection and you talk to a lot of people. And, and for me, preparing for the birthday, my, my, my mother-in-law moved to Houston, and I, you know, I know some people's initial reaction is like, how is that? Are you excited about it? Yes, we have a great relationship. She's wonderful. We're so glad that she's here in Houston and kind of, uh, kind of introducing her to our favorite restaurants and, and hosting here, and it's been really, really exciting. But it's been full. It's been busy for her. It's been busy for Lynn and for me. But, but before the baby comes, just an exciting time for us to kind of fill our time with all of that family time. Additionally, my dad was here last week to celebrate the birthday, and that was really fun. But, you know, the pressure of someone coming into town, like you want to show them all the cool stuff in the limited days that you have. But it was really, really good, but it was also really, really full. And then last Sunday, we celebrated the birthday, and that was really full. We had two services last Sunday. We had a, a second service this morning, too, and it, that's really full. It's a lot of time learning what it is to preach twice in a row and for the band to play twice in a row and to have two services. It's been so, so good, but it's been so, so full. And the church is just like that in September and October. And this past Thursday, we had a meeting in this room with all of the staff of the larger St. Luke's family, and it was a really good, energizing, exciting meeting because we were talking about like trying to check-ins of all these different ministries. And I shared about branches and our birthday and we went a little bit over time. Not, not me, somebody else did, but the meeting went over. And we left here and it was like 1.30 and I was walking on the sidewalk back to my office and I was with my boss, Tom, Pastor Tom, and uh, Dr. Pace, I guess. Uh, and uh, we were walking on the sidewalk and I was trying to break the awkward silence and I said, I think I'm gonna go home. Because it was a long meeting. It was good, but it was long. But I don't think he thought, I think, I don't, he didn't know I was joking because he remained quiet. And I was like, I'm just kidding. I have so much to do. <laughs> I like proved to my boss, like, I'm going to go to work. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, and he was like, yeah. He's like, I know the feeling, you know. You have so much to do, but you really want to take a break. But then if you do take a break and you don't do all that stuff, you start to feel really guilty. And I'm like, that really deeply resonated with me. And then I was like, yeah, and then, and then you don't do all that stuff. And so the next day, you spend all of your time moping and feeling guilty about all the stuff you didn't do. So then you have like a whole day to recuperate for all the things you didn't do so you don't do anything else. And we have this like long conversation about like you get in this cycle of like procrastination and putting things off and telling people and, and, and yourself, I work well under pressure. It was just an excuse for why you didn't do the thing you were supposed to do. <laughs> And it's because those, those times are so full, and we also just live in a culture where there's just this beating pulse of urgency. They're like, I gotta get stuff done. I gotta hustle. I gotta complete this thing. I got this long list, and it's, and it's growing, and, and I, the, my only comfort is putting make a list on the list and checking it off. Like, that's the only, only thing I can get done. And our life is so full, and that pulse of urgency of just doing something and doing something and doing something is always there. And you, you got to know, part of Branch's spirit, one of our first sermon series we did was on Sabbath. Like, I, I don't want us to be busy. I don't want us to partake of the hustle culture. But, but we all have that pulse, and I think it comes from somewhere. I'd say it's this, like, divine spark, this divine invitation that, like, we're called to do something, to be something. And so we, we repurpose that into what God wants us to do. 
But on those days when it's just felt way too full and there's way too much to do and I just can't muster up the energy to like do all the stuff I need to do, I like listen to a podcast or like a song that really pumps me up or watch a scene from a movie that gets me kind of excited and invigorated uh, and just, I, I gotta have something. And I, sometimes I just need a little motivation and there's one I watch in particular and here, and here it is. Do it! Just do it! Don't let your dreams be dreams. Yesterday, you said tomorrow. So just do it! Make your dreams come true! Just do it! Some people dream of success while you're gonna wake up and work hard at it. Nothing is impossible! You should get to the point where anyone else would quit, and you're not gonna stop there. No, what are you waiting for? Do it! Just do it! Yes, you can! Just do it! If you're tired of starting over, stop giving up. I told the team earlier, I was like, at that point, I'll just say, I'm in, and I'll sit down. That'll be it. So thank you, Shia. You know, like, let's do it. Let's go. Uh, and it really does, like, it's kind of became this meme, and he did it on a green screen, so people started putting it in front of all this different stuff, you know, and it came, became kind of funny. But, it, like, honestly, just watching it again, it gets me kind of pumped up. Like, he's right. Like, you, yesterday you said tomorrow, it's, it's today. And he's, like, tapping into that pulse of, like, you got to do something. There's a, a sense of urgency. Uh, I saw a switch foot on Friday night, uh, and I think I got saved again. Like, it was a religious experience. <laughs> it was amazing. And, and they're on this uh, tour, the 20th anniversary of Beautiful Let Down, this, like, uh, really crossover hit record. And um, Dairy to Move is this, was this huge song. And 20 years ago, 13-year-old uh, Colin was like, that's on the Spider-Man soundtrack. Like, that's so cool. And then 33-year-old existential Colin is like, dare you to move and get yourself up off the floor, you know, like it hits different when you're a little bit older and, and, and I dare you to move, uh, like, like today never happened that, that the circumstances of today, like set them aside and, and do and become who God has called you to be and, and to step out and, and take the risk and, and, and tap into that urgency that we all feel. It, it touches every part of our life and every person. They're like this, this spur, and it's why we feel guilt when we don't do something because there's something underneath, and I think it's God-given for us to do something and to be something. I think that current, I think that pulse is underneath the story that we're reading in Acts today where Paul hears this call to go help someone and the, he encounters somebody different, a person named Lydia. So we're still in Acts like we were last week, the same sort of stage, same sort of setting that this new religious movement is bubbling up and the call has been from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth, share this good news about Jesus. So we're in Acts chapter 16, uh, starting in verse nine, and it says this. During the night, Paul had a vision there stood a man of Macedonia pleading with him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when he'd seen the vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. We set sail from Troas and took us straight across the Samarath, Samarath's 
I, every, every morning, I have messed this up. And following day to Neapolis, there we go. And from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city for some days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who gathered there. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Thyatira, and a dealer in purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. When she and her household were baptized, she urged us, saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? God, we feel a sense of urgency to be and to do what you've called us to do and who to be. And we just ask that in this moment, you would instill in our hearts just the wisdom and discernment to find out what that is, to leave this place energized and and ready to be who you're calling us to be, to hear your call, to have ears open for your voice, and that the confidence that that we know that you walk with us every step of the way. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We look in, and actually by the narrator's own voice, he says, we and us. Like, this is like like a first-hand account in Acts of someone who is with Paul, and Paul has this vision. And you can imagine, even though Paul presents pretty confidently in the New Testament, that he had some underlying insecurity in this new Christian movement that he's now a leader of. And in that insecurity, like, any sort of concrete instruction or direction would be most welcome that not only should you spread this from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth, but that here in this vision, it's a man from a particular place and they're asking to be saved, to be rescued. And so he takes that seriously and he answers this urgent call to go save this person and and they they find themselves in a a different place on their way and they encounter in the, the outside of the city by this river a place of prayer that they suppose to be there for some reason, a woman named Lydia. And we don't know a ton about Lydia, but what we, we do know is pretty clear, pretty certain, that given what her profession is, so she was a dealer of purple cloth. It's not a, a major or a job you can have now, I don't think. <laughs> uh, but it tells us that she was a person of means. She maybe wasn't the, the wealthiest person in the community, but she wasn't the poorest either. And she dealt with this luxury item and sold it and traded it. And not only that, but she was an open person, kind of in our own vernacular here at Branches, she was a curious person. She was a worshiper of God. And it says that, that God took the initiative to make her open to what Paul was going to tell her. So Paul had answered this urgent call, and Lydia, unbeknownst to her, had been opened up to receive this good news, to receive this invitation, to then also be part of this movement that Paul was a part of. And she becomes, with so many in the New Testament, and we can read a list of them in the end of Paul's letter to the Romans, uh, a woman who in the, in, the, in the time of Paul, in the time of the, uh, after Jesus' resurrection, it wasn't common for someone like Lydia to then be the signpost, this haven, this hub for this new movement. But she, she becomes then, just like Paul, a, a leader, a haven. And, and she, she says, I love the way that the, uh, the NRSV puts it, says this, uh, to Paul, when she and her whole household were baptized, she urged us, this is the narrator of Acts saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home, and she prevailed upon us. But she then became 
the host for this new kind of fragile, persecuted movement. And they were invited into her home. And because of her openness, because of her vulnerability, because of her daring invitation, this new movement had another step to flourish. And I read the story, and just like the story last week, I'm, I'm brought into just this stream of wondering, what does this have to do with me? And certainly, what does it have to do with us? And, and then specifically, how does it teach us in, in Lydia's response and in Paul's response to this vision, what does it teach us about being daring people? People that live lives of risky discipleship and apprenticeship to Jesus. People who take risks to step out to invite people into community, even at the expense of whatever emotional capital that might have. What does it mean to be a daring people at branches. Last week, I asked the question, thinking about uh, belonging, what's keeping us? You know, or uh, what's in the way, sorry. What, what obstacles are on the path? Have you imagined before us as a community this path of this future that's somewhat unknown? What's on the path that gets in the way? What has the church put in the way to prevent people from coming in? What have we self-imposed, our own sense of worthiness, of identity, of calling on the path? What have others said on the path? Like, is it worth it for me? Is it gonna do anything for me? Is it transformative? Is it gonna help me? Am I gonna be happier? Is it gonna add any value to my life? Those things are on the road. And that was the question we raised last week. I wanna really zero in on what's in the way. A similar and related question that I think the man in Macedonia and Paul and Lydia asked us today is what's holding us back? What's preventing us? What's, what's keeping us? What's asking us to, to not take a first step onto the path? What kind of forces are, are holding us back? What sort of tensions are, are, are preventing us? And, and to the first question last week, I asked for responses and I got several that were really moving to me and I have kind of distilled them here. One person described this sense of deep purpose and calling but habits that they just can't shake get in the way when they're on the path. Or this idea of self-doubt, like self-doubt and self-worth gets in the way. Or this theological question of the problem of evil, like why do good things happen to good people or bad things happen to good people? One person raised this question of like, I can't, I just, my logical brain can't get around all the things that the Bible claims. Time and availability and the lack of accountability and community and the most common one, unfortunately, is church hurt and distrust of the church, well-deserved on the church's part. Uh, the, the church is uh, latching onto and, and, and marriage with ideologies and ideas that are foreign and alien to the way of Jesus is something that's in the way. The things that so easily distract us as obstacles on the path. And then uh, a kind of simple one on its face on the surface, but really says something deep about who we are and what else is on the way or in the way. Somebody said, I forget someone's name one week and I'm too embarrassed to ask them next week. But it speaks to the heart of wanting to know and to be known. That's in the way. And with all of these things that are, that are in the way on the path, on top of that, it's like, just like the, the vision that Paul had, we, we know clearly from, from your own heart or from these responses what's in the way, but what's keeping us from stepping forward as we've been called to do to push those things out of the way? to take a step on the path, to, to chart a course, to point out the obstacles, to point out the better way to go or the shortcuts. What's keeping us from doing that? 
uh, heard a, a line from a poem this past week that just, I think, really helpfully describes it uh, from a Antonio Machado. And I'll say, that makes me sound very cultured and, like, uh, you know, high-minded, but I heard the comedian Patton Oswalt quote it. So this is, like, the third step uh, from the poet to Patton Oswalt to me. <laughs> and now to you. Uh, unbroken chain. Uh, Antonio Machado says this, the path is made by walking. That's such a helpful, beautiful description of, of what it means to be daring, what it means to take the risk, is that, yeah, the, the path is treacherous now, but it's made smoother and more, more travelable by walking on it, by traveling on it, by, by bringing others on it. The path is made by walking. And I think, friends, that's what it means for us to be daring. Not daring to impose your ideas and your religion on somebody else, but because of your following Jesus, because of your religion, because of the call you've been given, to be daring and vulnerable to share kindness and compassion. I'd venture to say that it's easier and not a risky thing at all to be unkind and reactionary in our world. But it is a risk, and it is daring to be kind and compassionate and self-giving and sacrificial. That's what it means to be daring, to, to, like Lydia, open up your home as a haven and as a refuge for people. Or like Paul, to answer just the very clear call. It's so clear in our city to us, people saying, I need rescue. I need to be lifted up. I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, I'm naked, I'm afraid, I'm vulnerable, help. And it's daring, it's risky, it's the call to go help them, to listen to them, to step out and to answer the call and to go where they are and to assist them. That's what it means to be daring. I think the, the clearest way I can put it, I'm, I'm asking this of myself, is to ask, is the good news that was shared with Paul and the vision that he had and the good news then that he shared with Lydia and then the good news that she enacted by welcoming into their home and then the good news that extended from her home and from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth that we're now a beneficiary of, is that good news good enough for us to share? Is that kindness and, and gentleness and compassion of Jesus good enough to embody and embrace people in? Is that charity and love and mercy good enough to encircle other people in it? Is, is that, that, that way of being, that character of Christ, good enough to adopt in our own life? Is that peace that surpasses all understanding good enough to invite other people into and to demand in our society? Is the justice of God to reconcile all things, to reconcile all people, is that good enough to share or is it not? Because if it's not, there's no reason to be daring. But if it's had any impact in your life, if the way of Jesus has invited you to be a different way or think a different way or has totally transformed your life beginning to end, it's good enough and a good idea to risk it and dare it to share it. With everything, with who you are and what you believe and what you say and how you extend your heart to others, it's worth the risk. And the invitation then is, the, the picture that we have with what obstacles are on the road and what's holding us back is to, to say with Pat Oswald and Antonio Machado is the path is made by walking. It's to start today. And maybe in a kinder, gentler, more Jesus-sounding way and certainly a lot less spit and no weird ponytail like Shia LaBeouf is to say, do it. <laughs> like our mission strategy at Branches is let's do it together. <laughs> Let's dare to believe that what Jesus says about who you are and who your neighbor is and what the city is, how he sees it, is true. Let's dare to believe that. 
and let's risk everything to make it a reality for our neighbors. That everyone would know they are loved. That everyone would know they have value. That everyone would know that they belong. That everyone would know they're seen and cared for by God no matter where they've been or where they're going. That's worth the risk. Someone did that for me. I would guess that someone did that for you. Risk sharing that with someone else. Today. Today, in fact. And let's do it together. Let us pray. God, in the silence of this moment, make us aware of your giving of yourself to us, the risk that you took to be with us, the call that you gave to the disciples and to Paul and to Lydia, the call that our city is giving us to help, to rescue, to save, to heal, the need for compassion and kindness and community. So many people are alone and so many people would love to hear by our invitation that they belong to you. So help us be daring, help us step on the path and walk it and remind us on every step that you walk it with us. We ask all this in Jesus' name, amen.